I've been struggling so much with my sin and temptations that I had almost lost hope. Tracy in Ohio telling us Haven Today helped bring her back to Jesus and His Word. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Today, as we are only days away from finishing our fiscal year, June 30th. With a few days to go, we still need to raise $316,102. Sounds like a lot. It is a lot, but it's been higher in the past. Can you help us close that gap today? Your gift will make a difference. Summertime and the days seem longer. But with the passing summer solstice, I find myself anxious. Days are now getting shorter. Silly, I know. There are bigger things to worry about, such as polio and sharks. Experts fear a polio outbreak has begun in London. Sewage samples show the virus is present. No cases reported yet, but officials say it's only a matter of time. And then there are shark fears on the East Coast. New research showing these toothy creatures are closer to city beaches than once thought. And better methods of tracking show more great whites from Nova Scotia to Florida. But here's a summer story without fear. Five planets are aligned in the early morning sky until the end of the month. Hasn't happened since 1864. Will you wake up early to see it? Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. A wise prayer from King David for us this summer. Welcome to Haven Today, where we love to share the great story. That's all about Jesus. I'm Charles Morris, and we're in a series this week on the life of C.S. Lewis called The Most Reluctant Convert. Lewis described himself as a reluctant convert, but that doesn't mean that once he was a Christian, he was quiet about his faith. In fact, the opposite happened. Earlier this week, we looked at how Lewis was dragged into God's kingdom, kicking and screaming. Here's how he described it in his autobiography, Surprised by Joy. The prodigal son at least walked home on his own feet. But who can duly adore that love which will open the high gates to a prodigal who is brought in kicking, struggling, resentful, and darting his eyes in every direction for a chance to escape? The hardness of God is kinder than the softness of men, and his compulsion is our liberation. Well, today we're going to hear more about the conversion of C.S. Lewis, how God used very gifted Christian men to answer Lewis's questions. But we'll also see how the Lord used Lewis in a mighty way and how Lewis learned the cost of following Christ wasn't easy, but it was full of joy. And yes, we'll be talking about his joy in Christ and his wife named Joy as well. After this program, I'd like to send you a copy of this just-released DVD called The Most Reluctant Convert, The Untold Story of C.S. Lewis. We have this film for your gift to this listener-supported ministry. And as our fiscal year-end is only a week away, would you pray about how generous you could be? If Haven Ministries has been a blessing to you, why don't you return the favor by becoming a blessing to us? We're behind in our goal, and your generosity would make a significant difference. And as our thank you, I want to send you the most reluctant convert. Call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website. Check out the Most Reluctant Convert movie trailer. 
and then make your tax-deductible year-end gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And now let's open the program. Here's Chris Tomlin. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow. I may be prepared to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I simply cannot accept his claim to be God. Oh, come on, Jack. How how could a mere man be called a great moral teacher and say the sort of things Jesus said? Such as? That he always existed. That he'll come again to judge the world? Such men are judged frauds. Lunatics. 
In spite of my resistance, they convinced me that nothing else in all literature is just like the Gospels. Myths are like it in one way with its stories of the miraculous. History is like it in another with its attention to minute details. But nothing is simply like it. And no person is like the person depicted. I'm sure there are many people who believe themselves to be God. Our hospitals are full of them. Oh, come on, Jack, be serious. No great moral teacher has ever made that claim except Jesus, and you know it. Mm, and he went on and on and on. What do you mean? Well, claiming to forgive sins, and that he himself is the injured party in every transgression. Look, in anyone else, this would be thought silly. Suppose you told me that two of your colleagues had lost you a top professorship by telling lies about your character. Hmm? And, and I replied, freely forgive them both. Would you not think this sheer lunacy? It would be sheer lunacy. Yet, even those who opposed Jesus admitted that he expressed moral truth of depth and purity, full of wisdom and shrewdness. Wisdom and shrewdness. You make him sound like Solomon the Great. <laughs> On the contrary, history repeatedly calls him humble and meek. Not that you want to notice that, of course, Jack. Humility and meekness the last things one would ascribe to someone who makes claims worthy of being a megalomaniac. <laughs> a scene from the movie Most Reluctant Convert, also the title of our series this week. And just before that, we heard from Chris Tomlin, and I will follow. I'm Charles Morris, here on Haven Today. Portraying the college-aged and young man C.S. Lewis is Nicholas Ralph, who's also James Harriet in the new BBC series called All Creatures Great and Small. It's there on Netflix in North America. And in that scene, Lewis is speaking with his friends, J.R.R. Tolkien and Hugo Dyson. They would eventually form the writing group called The Inklings. And they were talking about faith in Christ. And if you had known C.S. Lewis prior to his conversion you might still find him talking with Christian authors and enjoying them. He had a great admiration for two Christian authors in particular, George MacDonald and G.K. Chesterton. Before he even knew Christ, you might find him talking highly about these two, despite their being Christian. Well, recently, I was talking with Max McLean, who wrote this new movie and stars as the older Lewis. I asked Max to talk about Lewis's love for stories and how the Lord used his affinity for a great story to draw him to Christ. His reading was vast, and he loved, he loved mythology. He loved ancient stories. He read everything from the Greeks to the moderns. Um, he was, his, his imagination was, quote, baptized after reading George MacDonald. Hmm. So much of his fantasy literature was modeled after the work of George MacDonald, he was also a tremendous admirer of G.K. Chesterton, even before he was a Christian. He said he liked him for his goodness. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Uh, he said he did not, he couldn't understand how he conquered him. He said he, he liked his, he liked his, uh, his uh, humor. He liked that. But, uh, and, and that sort of uh, trickled into Lewis's writings. Uh, I would say that uh, his imaginative literature was modeled after MacDonald hmm. and his apologetic literature was modeled mostly after G.K. Chesterton. And both of those men were Christians. Yes, they were. 
very strong Christians. And before Lewis became a Christian, that bothered him a lot, didn't it? Yeah, it did. He said all his books were turning against him. <laughs> uh, because he, he, you know, and then he, he, he compared that because he said uh, uh, George MacDonald had done more to me than any other writer. Of course, he had that bee in his bonnet about Christianity. He was good in spite of it. Spencer, Milton, Dante had it too. Chesterton was the most sensible man alive apart from his Christianity. Mm. Uh, and and But it, then he talks about the writers that he should be uh, uh, liking and supporting, Shaw, Wells, Gibbon, Voltaire, he called them tinny. Mm. Uh, They were all entertaining, he said, but they did not have the roughness and density of life. Mm. Um, Mm. But he still couldn't, you know, he he still couldn't come to terms with uh, uh, the reality of Christ. Part of that was he recognized that he needed to repent. And uh, he said he wanted to be left alone. Keep out private. This is my business. Uh, but that's when he finally gave in. He, he understood the cost of, of following Christ. This is Ava Today. And that was Max McLean. He co-wrote and starred in the new movie on C.S. Lewis's conversion called The Most Reluctant Convert. Lewis said the secular authors were tinny. What did he mean by that? Well, to be tinny is to be thin, not in terms of weight or size, but in terms of your voice. A tinny voice is the death of any aspiring solo artist. Even if they get all the notes right, they're still missing the force and the depth that solo artists need to carry a song by themselves or to hold an audience captive. The secular writers were tinny to him. Their voices were thin even though Lewis agreed with them on matters of religion. And I think that's still the same today. There are many critics of faith and critics of belief in God. I think of Richard Dawkins or the late Christopher Hitchens. These atheist authors are bombastic in their arguments against believing in a God, saying it's either delusional or toxic poison that will kill off society. They use strong rhetoric. But there's always something missing behind their words. They don't quite reflect what it's like to live in our world. They don't have the force or the depth that they need to be truly convincing. Their words don't ring true. And C.S. Lewis noticed that in the secular artists of his day. But did you catch what Max said right at the end when we heard from him a moment ago? Lewis understood the cost of following Christ. He knew that to follow Jesus, he would have to repent of his sins. He would have to submit his life to the Lord. He would have to live his life for Christ, and certainly not for himself. And this was demonstrated in a very real way when he met Joy Davidman. They immediately had a connection, and they carried on a rich correspondence through letters for over two years. Lewis, at an older age, was falling in love. And I think Joy was as well. But she was going through a messy divorce and was on the brink of having to leave England for good. And her two young sons, who were English by birth, and would have to remain in England with their father. Lewis caught wind of this dilemma, and he threw caution to the wind. He proposed, and he and Joy got married, quietly. Lewis learned what it meant to live for another 
as he got to know and then marry Joy. She was an accomplished author in her own right, more intelligent than most people she spent time with. And yet, in a moment of desperation, it was C.S. Lewis who learned what it meant to lay your life down for the sake of another. And I'm not saying Lewis didn't really love Joy. When she passed, having developed cancer shortly after they married, Lewis reflected on their marriage as well as her death, and he said, one flesh, or if you prefer, one ship. The starboard engine has gone. I, the port engine, must chug along somehow till we make harbor, or rather, till the journey ends. He was heartbroken, but his marriage to joy shows us a glimpse of a life rooted in Christ and a glimpse of the great marriage between Christ and his bride, the church. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5 that Jesus laid down his life for the church. And then he saw the church in a desperate state, in need of someone to step in to keep her safe. And it was Jesus who stepped in. And he didn't just step in, but he gave up his rights and authority and his throne And he came to this earth, taking on flesh, the cross, even death, to make sure his church was safe. Jesus, the port engine, will not let the starboard engine die. In fact, Jesus is the one who died to make sure that the ship, the church, and the people of God make it to our journey's end. Lewis knew the cost of following Christ. And his life shows us just a bit of what Jesus' love for us is like. Sacrifice, generosity, security. The Apostle John was given a vision of the end when Christ returns once and for all. And in that vision, he saw a wedding feast, the wedding feast of Christ, the Lamb, his bride. Jesus knew the cost. He knew that this feast would only be possible if he became the Lamb, the Lamb who was slain. But Jesus didn't just die. That would be the worst news in history. If Christ were still dead, our redemption would not be accomplished. Paul told us that. He didn't just die. He rose again to new life. In that great vision, John saw the Lamb living, alive, but with the scars of death still marking his body. Remember Jesus showing Thomas his scars after the resurrection? Jesus still bears the marks of crucifixion, a reminder of what he went through to save us. And in the wedding feast, we will see those scars, and we will rejoice that they did not keep Christ in the grave. He conquered death, and by faith in him, we will conquer death as well. Death is a tragedy in this world and in this life, Lewis learned that in the war, the Great War, and he learned it when his wife passed. We learn it every day. And for the past two years of a pandemic, we all have had to learn it one way or another. But Christ's victory over death gives us hope. Hope that we will not stay dead. That death does not have the final word. That one day we will be welcomed to the marriage feast of the Lamb. This is the story of a son of God Hanging on a cross for me But it ends with a bride and groom And a wedding by a glassy sea 
City Harmonic and Holy, singing of a wedding day on this Haven Today. 
Earlier, I mentioned that the actor who plays the college-aged and young man C.S. Lewis stars as well in the new BBC All Creatures Great and Small series about the veterinary practice of James Harriet. My wife and I were pleasantly surprised when we started watching The Most Reluctant Convert, the untold story of C.S. Lewis. That's the caliber of acting you'll find in this movie that was shot on location in Oxford, England. The film pulls back the curtain to reveal Lewis's early life and his conversion to Christ in a way I've never seen before. And from the very start of this movie, I believe you'll be hooked like Janet and I were. So whether you're young in your faith or you've been following Christ for most of your life, or even you don't yet know Christ as Savior and Lord, the most reluctant convert is for you. C.S. Lewis's journey to saving faith. It's a much-needed reminder that the gospel never stops working. And not only for you, remember it's a great film to share with someone else struggling with their faith. I want to send you the Most Reluctant Convert DVD for your generosity, including your fiscal year-end gift to the ministry. We really could use your help to make our budget by this time next week on June 30th. Why don't you pray about how generous you can be and then give us a call right now at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or watch the movie trailer on our website. You can make your year-end gift there at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. When the Lord appeared to Abraham back in Genesis 12, he wasn't appearing to someone who had followed him for a lifetime. Abraham worshipped the moon. But the Lord appeared to him and gave him a call. Get up and go to the land I will show you. And he gave him a great promise. And in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. A call. Get up and go. Leave your life behind. It's the same call he gives to us. A promise. In you, all the families on the earth will be blessed. It was a promise about Jesus. And in Christ, Abraham's descendant, all the earth is blessed for the saving grace of the Lord. Get to know Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.